listening to the Smoke Signals Podcast, hosted by Jake Dungan and other IBI contributors. We're talking tribe. Well, good day, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, Senior Contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to this week's edition of the Smoke Signals Podcast. And uh, we are recording this at the start of a crucial four-game series between the Indians and Twins in Minnesota, heading through this weekend, uh, with the Indians currently sitting two games back of the division-leading Twins, following a uh, very good homestand overall against the you know, they lost two out of three to Houston to start the series. They swept the Angels and then took two out of three from Texas. So uh, did very well on the homestand. Now they're ready to head back out on the road. Hopefully have some better luck against the Twins this time around. And here joining me as always to talk about uh, the Tribe. And now they're starting to starting to head into that crucial stretch run here. Um, you know, you got four games against the Twins uh, coming up here. You got the Red Sox, the Yankees coming up. Uh, it's going to be a crucial part of the season here. I mean, I know we say that all, about a lot of times during the season, but I think this one definitely stands out more than others. And, uh, of course, joining me as always, Justin Latta, IBI Editor-in-Chief. Justin, how are you doing this week? Doing good. I am ready and locked in for, I think, what's the biggest regular season series the Indians have had since, what, 2016 maybe? Seems like they ran away. They didn't really have a whole ton of competition I know the Twins got hot late in 2017, but this this might be the biggest regular season series they've had since 2016. Yeah, and uh, I find this spot in their schedule interesting because they have they head on the road for four games against the Twins. They come back home for three games against Boston. Then they head straight to New York for four against the Yankees. So kind of a weird uh, part of the schedule there where they essentially – could could have been one long road trip there, but I guess since they're doing the Yankees and Mets uh, in one in one hit there in the uh, Big Apple, but uh, still, you know, just three games at home against the Red Sox and then go straight to New York against the Yankees. You don't often see those teams back-to-back, let alone have a home stand and then go right on the road against uh, the other team uh, in their home ballpark, so... That was kind of interesting to me and stood out, but uh, we're focusing on the Twins right now, of course, and got a lot to talk about. Um, But first, I wanted to talk about uh, this recent stretch. It seems like, you know, the Indians, they've played well overall uh, since, I would say, like the start of June, but um, it seems like there was a a fire lit under this team with the trade that was made. I mean, Yasiel Puig has uh, made an impact. Reyes, not quite as much, but... I feel like this team is uh, really getting excited and getting uh, locked in here and finding a groove, uh, which is something I think that was sorely missing uh, last year. Uh, They never really kind of found that groove that we've been used to seeing um, late in the season, Uh, you know, whether it was a 22-game win streak or, you know, that stretch run in 2013 or... The second half of 2016, uh, however you want to look at it, that didn't really happen last year. But it seems like it's happening again this year, uh, which is very nice to see. And it's, this team is uh, showing a little bit of that, a uh, 
little bit of that uh, resilience and that spunk that we've been used to seeing uh, by Terry Francona, uh, Indians-led teams, uh, since he's come here. So uh, that's very nice to see. Yeah, I mean, they've always been a good second-half team, but you're right. They just didn't didn't get pushed the last two years in the second half. And like you said, I think that ends up making a big difference down the stretch. I mean, you can paint it however you want. I know that, you know, they had the 22-game win streak in 2017. I think that gave them something to play for um, every night. I think they came to the ballpark wanting to win and keep, not keep it going, but they wanted to make sure they felt like they had a chance to win every single game. And, and that got them locked in. And to their credit, they... They were, I don't want to say they were fine in the, in the playoffs in 2017, but, you know, Lindor and Ramirez were both struggling in that series, and Kluber wasn't himself. Other than that, they were, I mean, Brantley and uh, Edwin got hurt, so that kind of stunk, but they were at least uh, locked in, I think, the last month of the year. Uh, obviously, last year, they were just, I think they were just kind of the walking dead. It was maybe the most nondescript, how many games did they win, 92, 93? It I, mean, was, I, don't, I don't even remember how many games they won. It was like the least, I would say the least, I know that like 2014 and 2015 they didn't make the playoffs and didn't really do anything, but I still would venture to say that uh, 2018 was probably the least memorable season uh, under Terry Francona uh, with the Indians. Um, and I say that including the 2014 and 2015 season because at least then, you know, the team was kind of on the rise. You know, we had Lindor coming up. Uh, Ramirez coming up, and there were the team would seem like they were uh, working their way towards a brighter future versus 2018, where it seemed like you know they had reached a precipice and things were going to start turning downward. Uh, which you know, if, with the off season that followed, uh, it certainly seemed that way. But now with some of the moves they've made, it looks like it's trending back the other way again, which is very encouraging, and maybe that's why they have a little bit of that swagger going again this year is because, uh, you know, they've made some moves that haven't, you know, paid off right away. But, you know, with guys like Oscar Mercado and uh, Daniel Johnson and, of course, now Puig and Reyes uh, coming in, I think that um, the future is looking brighter than it was even just uh, several months ago. So uh, I definitely uh, think that there's some of that at play here. But uh, <clears throat> whatever the case may be, this Indians team looks like it's definitely um, working towards an end goal here. Not that the teams of years past haven't, but um, it seems like you can see that fire in their eyes this year compared to last year, even 2017 to a certain extent, despite the 22-game uh, win streak. Yeah, it's definitely nice to have meaningful regular season games. It's kind of not good when you pretty much have the division wrapped up and it's you know aside from injury you know from April basically last year which is kind of where they were at so it's definitely made the regular season more exciting and as much as you want to have the division lead um, you know at least you have a sense of focus and and for fans you know reason to watch I mean I, I mean they won 90 something games last year and I still think that's a reason to watch enough because you still had guys like Lindor and Ramirez and Kluber and Bauer and Krasko and Clevenger, but at least this year when you watch, there's a little more, I guess, unexpected to it. I think I think that's what makes sports great, obviously, is kind of the unknown and, and 
that's kind of why I, I got personally, I know some other people did too, got sick of um, the NBA because, you know, <laughs> and not the Indians of the Golden State Warriors, but uh, the Warriors, it seemed like they were guaranteed to win a championship coming into the year. And I know they didn't this year, but that's just kind of how I thought the last few years. And the Indians were getting pretty much all but a lock to win the division. And when you take out the uncertainty, I guess there's a little bit less fun to watch. So from a fan perspective and a, and a team perspective, I think this playoff race has been good for them. And hopefully, um, like you said, with the trades and their energy, you hope that they have enough to overtake the Twins in this crucial series. So uh, we'll get to the uh, uh, matchups here uh, toward the end of the show, but I wanted to recap some of the headlines from this week. Uh, in order to um, make room for the newly arrived uh, Yasiel Puig and Fran Mel Reyes, we were kind of speculating about that last week when we broke down the trade. Um, not surprisingly, Jake Bowers was one of the players sent down to Columbus to make room. And then also, uh, you know, while... It kind of pained us to think about it because he was just he was just finally starting to figure things out uh, at the major league level, and he certainly didn't deserve to be sent back back down. But unfortunately, there's only so many spots available in that outfield, and uh, Greg Allen was the other uh, recipient of uh, that demotion, and <clears throat> so the two of them sent back down to Columbus, and Reyes and Puig again. Uh, Puig has been the more productive of the two, batting close to 300 in his seven games since joining the Tribe. He's got a couple doubles, three RBIs, two stolen bases, and a run scored. Versus Reyes, he only has two hits, but one of them's a double. He's driven into no walks, ten strikeouts. So, you know, he's kind of shown a little bit of everything with him. He hasn't shown his power quite yet, but um, I think that... uh, He'll he'll adjust to the American League pitching and uh, he'll figure things out in a new setting. But um, definitely some good early returns, at least on Puig and a little bit on Reyes too. Bauer, on the other hand, is uh, down. Made one start for the Reds, pitched four two thirds innings, allowed three runs on seven hits, three walks, four strikeouts. Um, you know, one start can't take a lot from it, but just thought I'd give you a little update on that. But uh. Uh, any thoughts on the early returns from Puig and Reyes? I definitely like what we've seen from Puig so far. Yeah, he's been pretty good in the middle of the order. He hasn't had a whole lot of power yet either, but he's getting hits, and he's running the base as well, which is always great. Uh, plays a great right field. I know yesterday during the game, um, he made a throw home from right field uh, on the fly, and it stopped Texas from sending a runner home because of how good his arm is. So it's great to have a guy in this trade that makes an impact everywhere on the bases. And I know Reyes hasn't, or everywhere in the field, Reyes hasn't really chipped in much yet. Like you said, that double, it's been really tough. It almost feels like the American League already had a good scouting report on him. He's been getting a lot of fastballs up and in uh, and up at the top of the zone. So they must have already feel like they know where to pitch him. He's going to have to make some quick adjustments. And for, for Puig, I don't think this is a big deal being traded. He's already been traded once, um, even though it was in the offseason. You, know, you remember, I think it was Jay Bruce when he got traded to, I want to say, the Mets. Was it the Mets from the Reds? Didn't, uh, the first time he didn't uh, play very well for the Mets upon that trade. I know he was hurt, uh, but, you know, he said being traded for the first time, you know, especially in the middle of a, a division race or a playoff race, it can kind of jar you a little bit. And yeah, that, uh, when he got traded to the Indians, 
Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And, and I remember when Bruce was here in, in 2017, I remember him saying in an interview, he, he mentioned that, and then he said it was much easier with coming to the Indians because he had already been through it before. Now, Reyes is 24, has never been traded before, and I don't think he probably expected to be traded. That's the biggest thing. I don't think – I think Puig probably knew – he still he's dealt with it before, so he knew there was a chance given the way the, where the Reds were in the standings. I don't think Reyes expected it, and I think being young, adjusting to a new league, and not been traded before, and then being in a going from a, uh, a bottom of the division team in San Diego, even though they were on the rise, to a playoff race, um, especially being a DH and, and facing new pitchers, I think that jarred him a little. I think you're gonna, it's going to take him some time to adjust, and you hope that Puig or somebody on the team can kind of talk to him and you know share what they've gone through in his situation before, but. When, when players that young get traded in this situation, it, it this happens a lot. So I'm not surprised. It's just the way he strikes out. Uh, you hope he gets together sooner or later. It's seven games, so we're not going to obviously draw any hard conclusions here because it would be stupid to. But um, you really hope he gets it going because if he can be dangerous like Puig, um, boy, this lineup is, is extremely long and, and not fun to pitch to for opposing teams. What would you bring up with Jay Bruce uh, talking about what it was like to be traded for the first time? I mean, he was a veteran when he was traded from the Reds to the Mets and had been there for a while, been in the major leagues for a while. But um, he was, I mean, he came up with the Reds, if I'm not mistaken. So he's been in one city his entire career, uh, gets traded to the Mets. Um, I don't know if it was unexpected for him at the time. I can't remember the circumstances, but... um, for him to say, you know, even for a veteran, how hard it was to adjust. Sometimes we kind of forget what goes into, you know, the human side of uh, what goes into these trades for these players because, um, you know, you got all these play- you got these players uh, changing teams, changing cities. It's a big deal. I mean, uh, having just moved, uh, I know what it's all about. I mean, obviously these players know, kind of know and expect, you know, that this is business and this is something that's probably going to happen, so they kind of uh, know when to pack up and move, but I know and make sure that they don't, you know, settle their roots too deeply in one city, but uh, at the same time, you know, it's it's a big deal to, to change teams, change cities on, a, on the fly like that, and for a young guy like Reyes who, you know, has just started to break into the majors, had been with one organization his entire career, and as you said, probably wasn't expecting to be traded. I, I'll buy into that. So, um, Yeah, especially being young, too. I think, it's, I think it's one thing when you've been playing in the league for you know six, seven years, and you've at least been around and been around people who have, have been traded. You know, this, is, this is all relatively new for, for Reyes. Right, so, um, yeah, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to hold any, you know, kind of early struggles against him, nor should we at any in any sense, but uh I think that you know, there's there's a lot to be said uh on that end as far as that's concerned. So uh we'll see how he adjusts, but I I'm sure he will. He's at the same time he's young and uh hasn't been traded before, but he's also a professional athlete and uh is aware of how the business works. So there there's a period of adjustment that'll happen, but I think in the end he'll end up uh assimilating to Cleveland and the Indians, and he'll uh, eventually figure out how to uh, settle in there. So, 
Um, as far as everything else is concerned, though, as far as headlines this week, uh, we had Danny Salazar making his first start uh, back from the injured list in over two years. Uh, and, you know, while the... It was brief. It was brief. <laughs> it was brief and, you know, it wasn't terrible. I think, what, he only allowed two runs in two, two, uh, four innings of work, two solo homers. Um, but other than that, though, there wasn't a lot to write home about. Uh, topped out, what, 87 was his top velocity? And 88, it, yeah. Yeah, 88, and it just went downhill the whole game. And, you know, he was complaining about uh, groin soreness uh, as the game went on, and it said that affected his velocity. But then again, you know, he wasn't topping out that highly, and his rehab starts, too. Um, it, Maybe not as low as like 87, 88, but still, um, you know, the velocity just wasn't there. And bam, he's right back on the injured list with a groin injury right after that start. So uh, who knows if this is the last we'll see of Danny Salazar. I, I'm betting that this is it for him. Um, you know, the Indians saw what they needed to see with him. I don't think he's reliable enough to be a starter. Definitely not reliable enough to be a, a bullpen pitcher at this point. Um, so... Any thoughts on uh, Salazar and is the start we saw in against Houston last week the last we'll see of him in an Indians uniform? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much it. I think the fact that the Indians pretty much told him they weren't going to send him back to Arizona to rehab and they weren't going to have him rehab with any of the minor league affiliates. He's back home in Tampa uh, where he lives in the offseason. So I would probably say the fact that uh, a groin strain is keeping him away from I mean, you see other guys, like when Kluber's arm was broken, uh, he, he when he couldn't be in the dugout, he obviously wasn't because uh, he couldn't have the arm jostled so it could heal back into place. But Carrasco's been around. Um, Clevenger was around until he was ready to go on a rehab assignment. Uh, Danny Sales are not so much. They sent him, They like I said, they didn't even send back to Arizona or, or to Akron or anywhere else to work on things while he's rehabbing. He's, he's back at home in Tampa. So I think that probably says all you need to hear about how the Indians feel about Danny Salazar and what his future is here. I think, um, you know, he cashed in a nice paycheck this, this season. You know, he earned, what did he get? Four, did he get $5 million? Four Like and four, and five four and a half million, I think it was. Okay, well, he basically got a little bit over a million dollars per uh, inning pitch this year. So... Uh, good work if you can find it, and yeah, I don't think you'll see Danny Salazar pitch for the Indians again. I'm not going to make obviously like I guess that's a bold prediction, but he is a does have another arbitration year next year before he come, become a free agent. But um, I, I would bet on him being non-tendered. I'm, I pretty much think they're over him at this point. I mean, he's what what signs has he shown that he's worth keeping around? There's there's absolutely no signs in his rehab starts or his one start uh, against Houston, uh, there's nothing that says he's going to be able to get back to throwing 96-plus miles an hour uh, anymore. Um, you know, the breaking stuff doesn't look terrible, but um, if you don't have any kind of heat to go with it, uh, that's just not going to work. And um, Or then, Josh Tomlin command, which he doesn't have. Yes, exactly. Um, so I just don't, I just don't see it. And... Now here's another question. You no, know, we I, obviously and furthermore, go, can't trust him either. That's the biggest exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah, you can't trust him to stay healthy. You can't rely on him. I mean, 
you know, people talk about him. I and I was kind of on the bandwagon for a little while about putting Salazar in the bullpen uh, at one point, but you know, it's you can't trust him to just have him be ready when you need him on any given day to uh, come in in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning, even in mop-up duty, which is you know, on a rare occasion, you can't trust him to get ready. I don't, I don't know if you could even trust him um, to be a regular starter and every as routine as it is every fifth day. You can't even trust him for that. That's just, that that really says a lot. And so here's a question I pose now. We know his days with the Indians now are pretty much numbered at this point. I think we've seen the last of him. Is this it for him in the majors? No, I doubt it. I don't think uh, I don't think you'll I think you'll see other teams go out and take a chance on him and hope that he uh, can rebound or, or work some magic with him. I. I I don't know if he'll get a major league deal at this point. I mean, if he if he doesn't start another game, he'll have started one game in the last three seasons, or going back to the second what part of twenty sixteen, or yeah, twenty seventeen, I should say. So, yeah, he'll have started one game since the twenty seventeen season. I would be hard pressed to think that any team is going to give him a major league deal, um, but I'd be also surprised if nobody else gave him a minor league deal. So I think you'll see him somewhere next year going to camp trying to win a job, but. I think it's hard. I think it would be crazy to see anybody. If anybody gives them a major league deal, I think they're crazy because especially he doesn't come back and pitch this year. And given, I guarantee whatever the Indians don't like about him, and I know there's, it's not just, you know, he can't stay healthy and he can't stay healthy, but it's also the, the rehab effort, um, the attitude towards rehabbing and all those kind of things that, are maybe more makeup concerns than they are on the field stuff and injury stuff that the Indians are, are probably not thrilled about. And I got to imagine if the Indians are, are seeing that and, and, and hear it or know it, I'm sure other teams have heard the same thing. So I don't know how many teams are going to take a risk on a major league deal, but no, I, I don't think he's done. Well, I guess I can't say he's not done in the majors. If he go takes a minor league deal and doesn't make it up, then I guess he is done. But I at least expect him to have a minor league deal this offseason. Oh yeah, I totally, I totally agree. I could see that uh, some team taking a flyer on him, seeing about turning him around. My one word of advice for Salazar, if and when he hits free agency, if you get a call from the Pittsburgh Pirates and uh, Neil Huntington, uh, don't hang up because uh, that's a, that's a deal worth taking. See if uh, uh, Ray Searage can uh, do something with you and turn your career around. Uh, so that's that's all I got to say. But. Uh, yeah, as far as Salazar with the Indians, I don't think there's anything that the Indians can really point to that says he's worth keeping around for another year or um, anything that says he's going to be anywhere close to being the all-star pitcher he was, once was, which we kind of expected, and we tempered those expectations as best we could going into his uh, re- return start. Um, you know, I know there, there were some who were assuming like you know Salazar is going to come back and he's just going to slide right back into the rotation and you know some of them were saying that just to justify the Bauer deal that you know they got Salazar back and it just wasn't going to work out like that and even going in we knew that that was probably wasn't going to be the case so um if this is the last we see of Danny Salazar it's really a shame because I think that as far as pitchers who had the most raw talent we've seen over the last I don't know 10 years or so um, 
I think Salazar is pretty much up there as far as uh, Indians pitching, homegrown pitching talents go. It really is. I don't, I mean, there was nobody. I mean, I know Kluber was one, two Cy Youngs. Carrasco has been really, really good. Bauer was good when he was here for a point of time and was mostly really good last year. And Clevenger started to come into his own, but there's just nobody, I don't think anybody the Indians have had with just pure arm talent. I mean, Kluber's obviously got talent. He won two Cy Youngs, but the guy, you know, works so hard to get where he is and is just a great pitcher. But in terms of just pure raw stuff and, and electricity, there's nobody on the Indians who had it like Danny Salazar, who was throwing a hundred in his first start and, uh, you know, went from being, you know, I think he was in Akron in 2013 and then ended up starting the wild card game. I know things didn't go too well for him, but you know, he also made an all-star team in 2016 and, Ever since then, he hasn't been the same. So, yeah, it's definitely a shame to see that happen. But I hate I hate to say this coming back, and it looks like I don't know. Not, not I, I don't know what the real term is to say this here, but or, or confirmation bias. But I can remember back in 2012 or 2011, he was coming back from Tommy John and coming up through Carolina and Akron. That a lot of people had said that Salazar's arm was kind of on borrowed time and. They didn't make you last very long, and you know that was that was uh, six years ago now, seven years ago, and right now it's looking like that's more true than not, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know if anybody could predict this level of like injury breakdown, mental breakdown, or whatever that is going on here. But uh, yeah, I can I can remember people talking about that too, and it's the same. People are saying things like that about guys like uh, Lenny Torres or uh, the guy they just drafted this year, whose name is escaping me right now. Espino, uh, right? Yeah. And uh, I just wonder, you know, you take a risk like that with any pitchers of that uh, of that caliber, of that kind of talent. Uh, but you know, obviously, the upside is almost too good to pass up and for a while it worked for Salazar. Hopefully it'll work for guys like Torres and Espino, Daniel Espino. But um we we shall see. But uh Danny Salazar, we wish things could have ended better, but uh for the times you were good, uh, you will be remembered because you were definitely some one of the best raw uh hit pitching talents that the Indians have developed in recent memory. So uh uh going on to the other side, the happier side of uh the news, how about uh one of the newest rising stars, not just for the Indians, but in all Major League Baseball, Shane Bieber tossing his third complete game of 2019 against the Angels last Sunday. I mean, this guy, um, if Clevenger hadn't been hurt, I think that he and Bieber would be neck and neck as far as being the next uh, dynamic duo as far as uh, pitching talent, starting pitching talent in Major League Baseball. But right now, Shane Bieber is making some serious waves. And I still say, you know, while the chances of him winning it are are slim, I still say he's going to be in the Cy Young mix at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll get top three votes. I think it's definitely going to be Garrett Cole and some combination of Garrett Cole and, and Verlander and Charlie Morton and then Lucas Giolito will be in the top four. But I think you'll see Bieber's name on the top ten, top five area somewhere. Also amazing, by the way, that, that three, of, three of the 
four or five pitchers I named would have all were all Astros at one point last year. So that's kind of scary. Um, I just, I just can't believe how fortunate the Indians are to not have Kluber and Cle- uh, Kluber and Carrasco this year, not have Clevenger for a long stretch, and then to hear that Bauer pitched through a lot of injuries when he was here this year. How fortunate they are to have Shane Bieber. I mean, I could you ever see him having leading the league in complete games? I mean, we were all pretty like I keep saying we were all pretty high on him as a prospect, especially in uh, back in twenty seventeen. But for him to just burst on the scene the way he did last year, and then for him to do what he's done this year, I don't think anybody could have predicted. It's just unbelievable development and hard work and good scouting. And the Indians are so fortunate to to have Beaver carry that load until Clevenger came back. And, yeah, you're right. Now, good thing Clevenger threw 200 innings last year, so he's done it before. This is the most innings Beaver's ever uh, going to throw, so or has thrown. So it'll be interesting to see how he holds up from here on out. But it's been amazing to see them kind of just get to the forefront of the rotation and kind of have that passing of the torch to lead the team, especially when they've been behind the division all year. Yeah, and I won't spend too much time on Bieber since we spent a lot of time talking about him two podcasts ago and talking about his Cy Young case that he's making. Um, so if you want to go back and listen to that, we had some pretty in-depth discussion about Bieber uh, then. But, uh, yeah, it's great to see him continue to put together such a great season. And, yeah, I, I'd, I'll reiterate, we are all higher on Bieber, but we did not see this level of dominance from him and. Hopefully it continues because it's definitely uh, signifies a bright future for the Indians' rotation between him and Clevenger and, of course, Carrasco. Hopefully will still be in the mix. Uh, of course, the f- first priority is him getting healthy. But, um, you know, between between uh, Clevenger, Bieber, I uh, throw Plezak in the mix, and uh, then maybe potentially uh, Savale, a mix of Savale, McKenzie, uh Eli Morgan, Sam Henkes, uh, Adam Scott. There's a lot of names thrown there. Oh, and uh, Logan Allen, too. You can't forget about him, the newly acquired Logan Allen. So um, I think that with Bieber leading the charge, Bieber and Clevenger leading the charge, the future's pretty bright with the Indians' rotation. And uh, they can still see uh, Corey Kluber come back this year, who just pitched uh, a three-inning rehab appearance in Columbus, allowed two hits, two runs on two hits, both solo homers. Uh, he walked one, struck out two. Um, I think he threw 41 pitches and was topping out at around 90, which is nice to see for a guy who missed so much time and already topping out at 90 in his first uh, rehab start. So um, Kluber, progressing through his first rehab start, didn't have any setbacks, and looks like he's on track to uh, join the Tribe later this month uh, should everything continue to go well for him. Yeah, I actually caught the first inning of that on my lunch break at work today. I turned it on my computer and caught the first two innings. He, he did look, you know, rusty, obviously, um, as you would expect for someone who hasn't pitched in two months. But, yeah, like you said, be able to get up to to 88 to 90 in his first start. I know it's funny we just said about Salazar, how he didn't have much velocity in his last start, and it took him a while to get up to 93 in rehab, but... Um, I don't know. Kluber doesn't really necessarily need the velocity. I think if you can get Kluber to 92-93, that's where you want him to be because that's where he's been successful in the past. So I don't want anybody to think that 
there's some bias going on that, you know, we were like, oh, Danny Salisbury was only throwing 88, 88, 89, and we were, you know, ripping them, and Kluber's only getting up to 90 in rehab. It's his first start, and he broke his arm. I know Salisbury had shoulder surgery, but uh, Kluber also hasn't had two years off, and we know he's been successful throwing 92, 93 in the past, and even though his better best days were probably 93, 94. Like you said, to get to get up to ninety and get a couple strikeouts. Uh, his third inning was I know his third inning was pretty good. He got ahead of one, two, three inning, threw a bunch of cutters and sliders, um, got a couple swings and misses on him. The sinker is what did him in, which I'm not surprised by because his sinker was not great for him when he was healthy this year and Hopefully he doesn't throw too many of those, but it is Corey Kluber. He'll make find a way to make it work, and I'm I'm relatively optimistic he's going to come back and give them something. I'm a little nervous because he was not good in April and May before he got hurt, but I think I think he's good enough to come back. And I, I shouldn't even say this about Plutko because Adam Plutko has been solid, but. I will definitely take whatever Corey Kluber can give you the last two months of the season or the last five weeks of the season over what Adam Plutko would give you the last five weeks because of the experience and the pure stuff. As, as solid as Plutko has been and as bad as Kluber was before he got hurt. So let's look ahead here. We've got uh, Kluber making his first rehab start. That was today on Thursday, is that right? Or was that yesterday? Yeah, that was that was today. Yeah, just happened. So um, we have one, two, three, three more. Tuesday. Yeah, th- we've got three more weeks left in August, and then um, hopefully we well, got. I think the Cl- Clippers and the Captains both going to the playoffs, so that presents some more uh, rehab options um, moving forward uh, into September. I don't, I don't think he's allowed to play for the Captains in the playoffs. There, I think there's a rule. I could be wrong. There might be a rule that prevents him from playing with the captain, so I think you'll definitely see him with the Clippers if he needs to go that way. Okay, I wasn't aware of that, but I know that you know rehabbing guys have made appearances with teams in the playoffs before. But maybe there's a specific rule with the captains or the Midwest League, or I don't know exactly how it works. I think if you can't go down, you can't go down two or three levels on a uh, okay. assignment. Maybe that's maybe that's just sending guys down. Maybe it's not rehab. Maybe it's just sending guys. Like you can't send someone from AAA to 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 the Midwest League or something. I could I could be wrong, but I know I've heard people talk about that before. But um, I know the Indians also don't love sending guys rehabbing in the Lake County, especially um, pitchers, because they don't face the quality, or I guess they don't face the same quality they would like on a rehab. But you know, if they're at home, they're at home. We'll see. Anyway, the point I was getting to was there still should be enough time for. Uh, Kluber to uh, ramp his innings up a little bit and hopefully get up to four or five innings in a start before he's ready to come back, maybe even upwards of six. Uh, so uh, what are the expectations for Kluber uh, if there are no setbacks and you know he progresses uh, exponentially through his uh, rehab as far as ramping up innings, ramping up pitch count? Uh, are we going to expect reasonably be able to expect a uh, uh, maybe not 100%, but somewhere close, like 75-plus percent uh, Corey Kluber uh, by the time he comes back? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. I mean, like I said before, he wasn't good before he, he was not having a good, and he's typically not very good in April. Uh, and he hasn't been historically, but I think you'll get, I mean, you won't have any mileage. You won't have a lot of mileage on his arms. So that's a good thing, right? I mean, he hasn't had much time off other than that one month when he had a back problem in May in 2017. And we all know what happened when he came back in 2017. He won the Cy Young, but of course was gassed by and hurt by September or October. Maybe, maybe you get a little more in the tank out of Kluber with all this time off. Yeah, I mean, that's something worth considering too, and uh, you would still have a month in the season to be able to get him through his paces and hopefully get him back to a point where he's... Um, again, I'm not expecting Cy Young, vintage Cy Young Kluber, but if he can be a guy who can go out there and get eat up some innings for you... I'm sure the Indians will definitely take it, especially now that Bauer's been traded, which brings me to my next question. If, you know, you get Kluber back and he's able to go out there, give you five-plus innings a start, maybe not dominate in uh, Kluber fashion, uh, but you go out there and be a reliable rotation option for you, does that um, mean the Indians are going to be able to maintain a strong enough rotation heading down the stretch and hopefully into the playoffs with, uh, you know, uh, Clevenger, uh, Bieber, Kluber, and then some mix of uh, Plezak, and maybe, I don't know if you want to mix in a, a Plutko or a, maybe a Jeffrey Rodriguez if, if and when he gets healthy. Um, do the Indians have enough? I mean, I know we can say that you can never have too much pitching, but um, does bringing Kluber back help kind of fill the void left behind by Trevor Bauer, and will the Indians have enough to maintain a strong rotation that can compete in the playoffs against teams like Houston or Boston or teams, basically other teams that have strong rotations? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty confident in Clevenger and Beaver. They've stepped up every, at every point this year. I know Clevenger had the blow-up against the Orioles coming back from that ankle injury from the Texas star, and he wasn't so good in the Texas star, but that was his first one back. But ever since then, he's been great. I have no no doubt about what he can do. And that Beaver's passed every test so far. And I, I really like Plesak as a, as a big-game pitcher. I know everyone's kind of worried about his strikeout rate and his, and his FIP and some regression coming. But the guy's attitude and, and confidence and ability to go out there and, and just fight through things and not give in. I like I like his uh, his poise out there and, and big games, so I wouldn't mind seeing him in a playoff rotation uh, with Kluber. I think that's your fourth guy. You only need four. And I don't know. I don't know what you see out of Kluber as far as how do you feel about him as a rotation guy. I guess if he's your number three starter and he's giving you, like you said, if he's giving you 75% of what he is, I mean, what kind of Kluber do you get back? Hopefully better than what he was in April and May. I don't think you're getting, like you said, Cy Kluber back, but um, if you can get a quarter or three quarters of what he was in last season even, I know he wasn't great last year, but he was still very, very good, almost number two, you know, uh, not an ace, but number two. If you can almost get that level back, I think you'd take that, even though I know he wasn't great in the postseason. I think you take that, and that's fine as a three-starter, um, especially in the postseason, if you can get him out after five innings. 
one more question. Which is uh, weird to say, given his career, for, uh, career progression. Right, and uh, one more question regarding Kluber. Do you think that the fact that Bieber and uh, Clevenger have stepped up so much, and uh, Plezak even uh, as well, do you think that them stepping up and becoming like the the new age ace level pitchers of the rotation and being the the guys that the team can rely on now does that take pressure off of Kluber? Uh, you know he doesn't have. To, I mean I know that Tito is going to probably go out there and still say like he's the ace of the rotation, but um. Does that pressure kind of lift off of Kluber's shoulders a little bit? And do you think that would help him? You know, maybe he doesn't need to be the guy that you rely upon in the playoffs. Definitely not like at the 2016 level where you're, you know, starting on uh, three days rest or anything like that. Uh, do you think that helps him? Maybe, but honestly, we know, we know Kluber is. Kluber is just emotionless out there and, and holds it in check so well. I don't think any of that affects him, to be honest. I think, I mean, like you said, maybe it gives him a little bit of ease um, on being able to fit back in so seamlessly, hopefully. But I, I don't know. I don't think overall, I don't think it really makes a big deal to him. I think he's the same guy whether he gives up six runs in three innings or he gives up no runs in six innings. Uh, I think he's just the same guy start to start. He, he does his routine, you know, every every five days. He's a hard worker. I think he'll continue to do what he what he does, and I, you know, hopefully he's working on. He's been able to work on some things that plagued him in April and May. Now that he's back and throwing again, but I really, I really don't think it affects him big time. I think he's just the same guy every start. I think that's what's going to allow him to come back and possibly be effective is the fact that he's so consistent and and knows how to get his body in the shape and and routines right um so yeah well i think that's gonna be interesting to follow heading into the latter portion of this month and then into september is how cooper's progression goes and if he's gonna be able to come back strong uh at least from a health perspective and then beyond that see how he comes back from a pitching perspective and if he looks any better from where he did at the start of the year so um if so that would really help things out because you know got Carrasco already out with you know all his uh illness again we wish him all the best and then now Bowers off the table again as good as Bieber and Clevenger have been those are two key members of your rotation gone and uh you know you factor in Kluber that's three um so getting Kluber back would definitely help things and to get him back to any kind of reliable semblance of his of himself would certainly uh be icing on the cake but uh and i think crucial for the indians heading into the playoff uh stretch here but um by the way as we speak the indians are uh winning two nothing in the fourth inning uh against the twins and so great to see that um which brings us to our preview for uh next week um this four game series against the twins is pretty crucial you know you got um uh, who's pitching tonight? I didn't even see who. who Kyle it was. Gibson versus Clevenger. Okay, Clevenger's on the mound tonight against Gibson, and uh, make that a four nothing as uh, Jason Kipnis, who has been red hot since the All Star break, batting over three hundred, four homers, eight RBIs. Um, heading into this game, he's continuing to stay locked in at the plate. Uh, he just drove in a couple, making it four nothing, and. So then Friday you got uh, Bieber against uh, Smeltzer, Devin Smeltzer, 
Um, then it's Plutko versus Jaco and Rizzi on Saturday. And then Sunday you got Aaron Savale versus uh, Barrio Savale, who looked very sharp in his second start uh, in the in the majors, um, going for his third and hoping to stay stay on track here. So um, uh, this series against the Twins, and then uh, heading into the series against the Red Sox at home. Uh, uh, what are you What are you looking at here? Yeah, the Red Sox, I don't know, the Red Sox series is going to be different. Obviously, I, I don't think we really need to go into a lot of detail how big the series is right, for the beginning uh, of the Twins. They obviously need um, to take, they need at least split the four-game series to stay where they're at, to stay two out. If they can take three or four, obviously, that would be incredible. Uh, taking three or four in a four-game series is really hard, uh, as everybody knows. Hopefully, everybody knows that. And I think the biggest thing, too, is if they do perform well in this series against the Twins and they do find a way to win it or even split, like I said, I think a split is a really big deal. I think that keeps you where you're at um, and gives you some confidence. They still have six left with the Twins after today. Or, I'm sorry, six six against the Twins after the series is over. So, yeah, three or four is obviously ideal. Um, Hopefully they don't have a letdown against the Red Sox. They aren't playing as well this year, but the Red Sox are, are kind of working their way back into the wild card race. Chris Sale just had a really good start tonight for the, the, the best start of the season. So maybe they're starting to get things back together, even though their bullpen is just atrocious. So is the rotation. But um, that series kind of, you know, is always kind of concerning because the Red Sox have a lot of hitters. And like I said, don't have a letdown after this, this twin series. Obviously, they have, they have the circle. They know how big this is going to be. And no matter what happens, you hope they don't come into that series and uh, don't have a letdown. That's going to be huge. Right, yeah. And uh, I think, you know, it's obviously going to be the risk of a letdown series uh, no matter who your opponent is. But I think that going up against a team like the Red Sox uh, will help keep them keep them sharp uh, more than, it, say, if they had gone against like the White Sox or the Tigers or some lesser opponent, you know, where they might fall prey to, you know, thinking they can just ease up a little bit after such such a crucial series against the Twins. But I think that playing against the Red Sox could help them in that regard. So, but uh, we'll definitely see. But uh, uh, great to see them starting off this game strong. And uh, looks like Clevenger's pitching pretty well to start out. And uh, hopefully they, this game results in a win. But... Um, yeah, very crucial series coming up here. Six more games after this. So, yeah, it's starting to wind down here. And if and when they do um, make up some ground, boy, it would just be so awesome if they actually pulled this off and uh, won three, game, three out of four games. Uh, doing my math, three out of four games, that puts them tied for the division or does that put them one game ahead? If they take three or four? Yeah, if they sweep. No, if they take three, if they take or, four. three or four, they would be tied. Yeah, that's four, what I thought. They're, yeah, they're currently two out, so if they take three or four, they'd be tied. So they would need a, a four-game sweep to walk out of Minnesota with the first place. So, like I said, I, I hope it's a, at least a split. Right, yeah, and I think that's what we hope for, but um, at the same time, we kind of wish they will take three or four, which I know is hard to do, and you don't want to place that expectation, but it certainly would be nice to come out of Minnesota being tied, and I think it would really... I think that would help with 
the potential letdown of going against Boston because you know you're you make up some ground, you but you're still tied, and you obviously want to go to the next level and take division lead so I think that could help as well so taking three out of four would be nice in that sense yeah definitely I, and the schedule doesn't get a whole lot easier after the Red Sox either remember they have faced the Yankees and the Mets who are making a climb finally and then they, they I'm not sure they play after that but they're going to have the work cut out for them after this series but they're off to a good start and they should have a lot of confidence after that sweep of, or not sweep, but a doubleheader sweep of the Rangers, especially given how they won it with Plesak giving them a huge outing and then winning a bullpen game, which I don't know what the Indians' record is in bullpen games since 2016, but I'm going to tell you this. I think, I think the Indians are the ones who kind of started the bullpen game thing, at least in recent memory. Um, remember when Carrasco uh, had the finger injury in 2016? He, I think he got, what, one out that inning, and they had to go to the bullpen the rest of the game, and they won one nothing. And then they did it in the playoffs with Trevor Bauer's uh, finger bleeding open. They won that game. Right. Uh, they won. They won the bullpen game this year when Carrasco was placed on the injured list um, when he was diagnosed with leukemia. And they won a bullpen game this week. Like I don't know what their record is all time in bullpen games, but I would think it's pretty good. And they seem to have won it when they really, really needed. I mean, they rallied around Carrasco's diagnosis. Um, they rallied around his injury in 2016. They somehow rallied around Bauer's bloody finger in, in the playoffs, and then they knew they needed that one yesterday, and they did it. So that's that's unbelievable. They should have a lot of confidence in that situation and coming off and doing something like that. Sure, yeah. And I hadn't really thought about that with the bullpen games before, but I guess you're right. Yeah, they have uh, done pretty well for themselves. And uh, if that's the wave of the future, then uh, the Indians certainly, and Terry Francona, have certainly figured out how to make it work. So, um, yeah, this upcoming stretch, very crucial for the Indians, and I'm very interested to see how um, it turns out here. You know, this time next week could uh, be very big as far as revisiting how this uh, upcoming weeks of games went, and then looking forward to uh, that New York swing uh, with the Yankees and then the Mets. Um, there's really uh, no room to breathe here in the month of August, but that's what we expected. You know, toward the end of the month, they'll get uh, the Tigers and the uh, Royals. But um, then again, in September, you got um, Tampa Bay, then the Twins uh, for two series. Uh, the Angels again, and the Phillies, the Nationals. So not a lot of breathing room the rest of the rest of the season here. No, but like you said, September is a little bit easier if they can survive this August and get their way into first place, or even. I mean, they've already kind of already solidly in a wild card spot, but if they get through the stretch and stay where they're at, and, and maybe even improve in the division. I think you're going to see this team look really confident, uh, even though the Astros and the Yankees are really, really, really tough. I think you'll at least see them confident going into October if they can survive the stretch. All right, so uh, covered a lot of ground tonight, Justin. A great show. Um, hopefully, uh, the Indians continue to play well and give us more uh, positivity and optimism to talk about. Uh, it's been a really good stretch of the season since June and been a lot of fun talking to try baseball and it's getting 
down to the nitty-gritty here, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking about potentially Indians being tied for the division or maybe even leading the division by this time next week. Who knows? But, uh, you know, we, we'll settle, again, we'll settle for that series split and at least just walk out of Minnesota no worse for where as far as where they stand in the division. But um, but we'll hope for more. We'll see what they can do. Um, but uh, as far as uh, anything you want to plug uh, before we go, Justin? Uh, let's see. I think, I think I have a Diamonds in the Rough this week. I'm not sure who's on the schedule for Diamonds in the Rough this week. i double check on that. I know I had, uh, who did I write about last? I had Cody Morris last weekend. So next up on that list is either Tyler Freeze or I'm sorry, I wrote about Aaron Pinto over the off of this past weekend. So Aaron Pinto's out. So Adam Scott's actually up next. That was on our list. Um, I'll have the Scrappers notebook tomorrow uh, running. They lost Ethan Hankins. He got promoted to the captain. So uh, the Scrapper season right now is looking a little bit rough as they come to our, come down the stretch of their short season. Uh, Sunday I'll have three up, three down. And then we actually have a new writer, uh, Michael Kuva, uh, is joining us to do some prospect work, and he scouted Corey Kluber's start today and uh, watching the Columbus game. So he threw up some notes about that this afternoon. So encourage everybody to follow Michael at JTS Scout and then uh, go read his first piece on the site. Oh, sounds good. I'll have to look at that myself. Um, yeah, look at some good note. Look forward to some good notes. Sounds like this is a guy who knows what he's talking about based on how he uh, – Touts himself, uh, so yeah, it's gonna there'll be some interesting notes to look at. Um, as for me, I'll have uh, four thoughts coming out tomorrow. Um, I'm gonna have some thoughts uh, about uh, Hankins going up to Lake County, of course. Um, then I also wanted to uh, address, you know, how, how Allen, Logan Allen, and uh, Scott Moss have fit into the uh, tribe's mold as far as developing. You know, pitching prospects in recent years, especially with college arms. Um, and then I also wanted to uh, give some love to Jose Fermin, who's really been on fire uh, lately. And I think this season is proving that he deserves some top prospect consideration. And then I also have some thoughts about Kyle Dowdy coming back to the uh, Indians as well and see if, if they can uh, make something of him. Uh, moving forward, so uh, that's all coming tomorrow, uh, so lo- watch out for that. Also check out the Farm Report podcast, uh, where Justin and I actually, co- Justin uh, filled in for Corey again this week, um, and we discussed the uh, minor league side of that um, Trevor Bauer trade with uh, Scott Moss, Logan Allen, and then um, and then the other... Who am I thinking of? The uh, the last guy involved in the trade uh, who's in uh, Arizona ball. Uh, oh, the... Victor Reyes. The guy in Arizona, yeah. No, yeah. Victor Reyes. No. No, Victor... Uh, Vic, Victor Mesa? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm lost right now. I don't know. I'm, I'm... Uh, Victor Nova. Victor there Nova. There we go. There we go. All right. Apologies <laughs> I know for, we did uh, eventually. Apologies for not knowing your name, Victor, but uh, uh, we did talk about him and actually did remember his name during the podcast uh, this week, so check that out, and uh, we break down each player 
uh, one by one and talk about what they bring to the team in the future and, you know, how Logan Allen has a lot of potential, as does Scott Moss, but even uh, Victor Nova to a certain extent, even though he's still in rookie ball, could bring something either to the Indians or some major league team in the future. He has some intriguing tools, so check that out. Um, beyond that, though, uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake Baseball. Justin's at JL underscore baseball. Uh, hit us up with any uh, Indians or prospect questions. Uh, be happy to chat with you on social media. And uh, also follow the site account at official underscore IBI, as well as the uh, podcast account at Smoke Signals IBI. You can get all the links, breaking news, podcast notes, everything you can find right there. Um, but uh, it's been a great show, Justin, and uh, looking forward to this week of Indians baseball, which will prove to be a crucial one, at least that's what we think, heading into the uh, stretch run of the 2019 Major League season. And uh, it could prove whether or not the Indians uh, make the playoffs as a wildcard team or as a division team. Who knows? Division-winning team. So, uh, and then you get Kluber progressing through rehab. You get the continued dominance of uh, Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger, and then, um, then of course, uh, you know, Jason Kitten is still hitting the ball well. The new guys, Yasiel Puig, Fran Mel Reyes making an impact. So all kinds of good stuff happening with the Tribe right now. But uh, until next time, though, uh, for Justin Lada and the Smoke Signals Podcast, I'm Jake Dungan, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening. Yeah.